30th anniversary. Woo! I, I can't believe it's been 30 years. I mean, I remember the first service like it was yesterday. I was, I was 35 years old when we started this thing. I was a kid. I didn't know nothing. Still don't know anything, but man, it, it's gone fast. It's just been such an incredible journey, you guys. Um, uh, this is not what we had in mind when we started this church. Uh, God's taking us into a lot of places that we had not anticipated. And Paul says that if you're going to boast, boast in the Lord. Because uh, God uses the foolish and the wee things of this world to accomplish his purposes. And, and Woodland Hills is a testimony to this. Um, God has used foolish and weak people to accomplish great things. And, and so we're going to boast, but we're going to boast in, in what God has done through us. Uh, and it's just been beautiful. Although, you know, how do you cover 30 years in 30 minutes? It's impossible. Uh, and so I really felt like God was just telling me to um, just speak from my heart and, and about what you're thankful for. And, uh, uh, and that would be kind of the filter. There's so much that I would like to say that I'm not going to say, can't, can't say, but just, just giving thanks for all that, that God has done, boasting in the Lord. So some of you may not know this, but we were supposed to be in Woodbury. Uh, the idea of the superintendent of the Baptist General Conference, uh, and we started as part of the Baptist General Conference, we're not that anymore, but um, he had an idea that we, we needed a church in Woodbury because it was the fastest, one of the fastest growing suburbs in America at that time. So we are supposed to be a Woodbury church. Um, we never quite made it there, you may have noticed. Uh, we, we initially couldn't get a building in Woodbury, so we had to meet at Bill, Battle Creek Middle School. Um, and, and that's about five miles outside of Woodbury. But it became very clear to me, or I began to at least suspect early on, and eventually it became clear to me, that we weren't ever going to make it to Woodbury. Some folks that we started a church with did want to go to Woodbury, and they, they went and started a church at Woodbury. But I got a word about three or four months into the, the church. I got a word, and the word was simply this, face the city. Face the city. And I didn't know what that meant, none of us did, but... It didn't necessarily mean that we're going to be in the city, but we're supposed to have a heart for the city. Uh, and it'd be something of a bridge, bridging uh, a suburban resources with uh, the needs of the city. And built into this was just a call. The city sort of just represents the hurting. And, and so we saw early on that it's to be on our front burner to have a heart for the poor, a heart for the marginalized, those who are oppressed, uh, those who are victims of injustice. Uh, that was to be a front burner thing for us. And, and I look at the ministries we have now, and all of them are kind of the fruit of that original change of vision, face the city, uh, our food shelf, and, and our, our daycare, Catholic charities, and the settled community, and walking with a purpose, and, and other ministries we have that are just for the hurting and the oppressed. Uh, God put that on our heart early on. Also part of this face the city was about racial reconciliation. And so on December, the first Sunday in December, so the church started in October, so this is like two months, a little over two months into the church's life. Uh, I, I, I preached my first sermon on racial reconciliation. It was supposed to be the beginning of a Christmas series. And, and, and the, the, the first Sunday was on peace. And um, uh, this is the time where there's a lot of racial tension. The L.A. riots had gone on. Rodney King you know, got beat up. And so I, I, I thought I was on preaching on peace, about peace on reconciliation. And, and the lack of it in this world right now and how, you know, the church needs to manifest this one new humanity. And that's what, that was my Christmas message on peace. Uh, that was the first controversial sermon that I preached at Woodland Hills. Uh, 
Fortunately, it was my last. I haven't preached anything controversial since then, so it's been easy going. No, it, it, you know, I, I got pushback. It's like, what kind of a Christmas sermon is that? You're supposed to give us warm fuzzies to make us feel good, and now you're putting this race stuff in, in, in front of us. So this, see, here's the thing. My heart was in the right place in, in 1992. Um, I understood that the church is supposed to manifest this one new humanity, but, but I had no idea about just how challenging that was. Because I really then at that point had no idea about what some of the real causes of, of racial tension and racial injustice are. And I did not have a clear idea about living in a system that privileges white folks over non-white folks. Was, wasn't really aware of that. Uh, the reason was because I didn't have at that time any really deep relationships with people of color. I had a lot of acquaintances but I never had gotten on the inside of their experience to kind of see the world, experience the world from their perspective. And so this was the beginning of a long, sometimes difficult, sometimes very, very beautiful journey, a long and winding road. And there were a lot of mistakes, a lot of forgiveness that was given, a lot of great grand moments and a lot of tough moments. And it's a journey that we're still on. But I'll tell you, I thank God for every inch of this journey However tough it's been, I thank God that we've been on this journey because it's a beautiful journey. It's the direction we're supposed to be going. Amen. Amen. I thank God for that. I thank God that for the staff that's grown with this. And in particular, I want to say I, I, I thank God for all the people of color that have served on staff at Wilden Hills Church. Because you take something of a risk when you come to a white-dominated church, and these folks are willing to do that. And so I just praise God for them. And I want to take this occasion just to... I'm only going to mention a few names here, but one name I want to mention, because I love this guy, uh, Norm Blagman. He was our worship leader for 17 years. Yes, you can, some of you know him. Love you, Norm. If you're watching this, I love you. And this brother, uh, I learned, I think, more about uh, race tension and racial reconciliation from this brother than I, just walking with him 17 years, than I had from any book or seminar I've ever taken. So thank God for all the folks that have been through here. We're, and we're still on this journey. And let's just keep growing together in this. So we, we started this church, and it, 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 it just blew up. Early on, it just blew up. And I guess that happens with new churches sometimes. They just, they're a new thing in town, and everyone comes to check it out. And, and so, so it just exploded. We, we, we outgrew Battle Creek Middle School within two years. We went to Harding High School, outgrew that. We went to Arlington High School. And it was just explosive. There's a whole lot of energy. I mean, it was just kind of crazy, actually. Because we had all this energy and all this stuff happening and all these people coming, but we had very little organization, no real clear mission statement. None of the things you're supposed to have when you start a church did we have. The reason is because, and some folks described it as sort of a runaway train, and, and the reason it's a runaway train is because I'm the conductor. <laughs> all right? And, and, and I've got zero organizational skills. I've got a whole lot of passion, I've got a lot of vision. I like to rally people around a vision, but I have no organizational skills. I don't run things. I, and so it was kind of a, it was a chaotic mess. Would you agree with that, Mary? Yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> Sunday to Sunday. We were just surviving Sunday to Sunday. And I was only part-time. So I come in here, I preach this vision, get everyone all excited. And then the rest of the staff has to try to catch up to it. Uh, it was, it, you know, I, it's, a, it's proof of God's existence that this church didn't fold in the first two years. Honestly, it's like... Uh, you talk about God using the foolish things of this world. This is exhibit A. So there was at this time a young lady named Janice Rowling. And uh, she had been here at the start. Amen. We'll talk about her more later. Save your applause. There'll be, there'll be an occasion for it. But this, 
she just helped out wherever she could help out because that's just the kind of person she is. Uh, you know, I have several times driven to church here on like a Saturday morning, a random time, and she's over here sometimes with her kids when they were littler, and she's planting flowers and fixing up things. Wherever she sees something that need, needs to be done, she just does it. That's just the kind of person that she is. So she was serving on this uh, steering uh, committee that we had. Um, they were there to say, basically, how do we, how do we start to organize this and, and, and you know, get some things in place to, to hold it together so it's not just a Sunday-to-Sunday operation. And her gifts just kind of became clear in that steering committee. Uh, she had been a manager at Rotland Homes, so she ran teams of people. She knows how to manage people and how to work with people. And so at one point we asked her, uh, would you be the executive pastor to try to manage this mess that, God has, that Greg has created? And uh, at first, she played a practical joke on us and said no and broke our hearts. Only to say, just kidding. Uh, she really meant yes. Which is one thing I learned about Janice. She is ruthless when it comes to practical jokes. I've been the butt of many of them. And uh, uh, that's the evil side of her. Uh, but uh, but so she, she agreed to come on. And this is another thing that I'm just so thankful for, that Right from the start, you guys, we, we have just put a high premium on, on making the statement and living out the, the, the conviction that, that your gender should not prohibit you from using the gifts that God's given you. There's some cultural context where that happens. But, and so we're about empowering women and seeing women in, in, in ministry and rising up and doing the gift that God's called them to, to, to do. And I'll tell you that I am so thankful for that. I feel sorry for churches that restrict leadership to males. They tend to make the same mistakes over and over again. Have you noticed that? Uh, it's, it's, and, and not just so many mistakes we have avoided because we've had women in ministry, but I, I, this church wouldn't be what it is if we didn't have women on our staff in, 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 in pastoral ministry just doing their gifts. Amen. And so we brought Janice on. Now, Janice is... Uh, well, I, my, my personality profile is I'm an activist. So that means like, we, when we see something that needs to be done, we just start doing it, and we'll figure out how to do it as we go along. It's kind of like on-the-job training. But, but yeah, you always want to get to it. Janice, her, her personality is she's a strategist. Uh, they like to plan everything ahead of time and make sure you know, you're crossing your T's and down your I's. Uh, for a strategist to take your foot a little bit off of the brake feels like a radical move. <laughs> Ooh. And so I'm this activist, and she's this strategist. And uh, to be honest, there was quite a bit of tension around that. Uh, it has, wasn't always smooth sailing. We ended up bringing Paul Eddy in to kind of do marriage therapy. Uh, they, they, they talk about Janice and me as the mom and dad of Woodland Hills Church. And, and, and as a couple, we need some help because we're just wired so differently. And I've gotten to learn her language now, but early on, I, half the time I didn't know what she was talking about. So we're just different. We were missing each other. But see, I'm so glad that, that we, we hung in there. And, and there were tough times, but we worked through them. And it's just like with my, my, my marriage to Shelly. Um, we're opposites, uh, and we had to work through some really tough stuff. But when you can work through that tough stuff, God can bring something beautiful out of it. If you're willing to work with, co- cooperate with him. And, and, and what comes out of this, I can now see is something that's really beautiful. Uh, you need an activist to be pulling a church along and, uh, you know, just keeping looking forward. You also need strategists so that you're not trampling over people and, and, and the thing's not falling apart. And there's a real complementary uh, gift mix there if you're willing to work through it. 
And I'll tell you that, that I, I've, I've just come to so respect this woman, uh, Janice Rowling. I come to love her. Uh, I, 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 and I'm so thankful that she's been central to everything that's been going on here. God has used her in some really incredible ways. We would not be the church that we are if it wasn't for her. I'm going to say this right now. It's the 30th anniversary, so I get to say whatever I want. She is the unsung hero at Woodland Hills Church. Will you give thanks to God for her? Amen. We love you, Janice. And right now, she's probably really mad at me because she doesn't like any attention being drawn to her. But see, so Janice comes on, and, and she's very relational. That's why things take quite a while is because she, she actually does things for relationship, which is what we're supposed to be doing as, as, as kingdom people. And she just, just helped form a, a, a culture on our staff and with our pastors that's really something beautiful. Um, we've just got an outstanding staff here, and I want to just say thank God for all of the people on staff at Willow Hills Church that have ever been on staff. It's, it's, it's beautiful. So this staff, this staff, you know, in 2008 when they had that market crash, finances tanked, and, 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 and so it looked like we are going to have to make some cuts. But this staff voluntarily took significant cuts in their own pay so as not have to let go uh, other people on staff. That's the kind of staff we have. And then in 2013, I think it was or so, when we started to have this idea of inviting other ministries here into the church and to partner with them um, to, to, to get some work done, whatever, um, Janice went to all the pastors and all the staff and said, basically, uh, would you be willing to share your office space? We want to make room for Catholic Charities and, and, and Merit Food Shelf and other organizations to be part of us. And so would you, would you share your space? And, and so far as I know, I, I, there's no bickering, no murmuring, no, no pouting, no this isn't fair or anything. Everyone was like, sure, because that's what you do in the kingdom, you share. And um, I, I, I just... I think that's just beautiful, this, this culture of generosity that we've had. It's something I'm proud of. I had a friend visit me, uh, this is probably six, seven years ago, and hadn't seen this person for 30-some years, but they wanted to check out their old friend who is a pastor of this megachurch. And so after the service, we met and, in my office, and um, one of the first things she says is, because she comes from a megachurch, and she goes, I'm really surprised at the modesty of your office. You're the senior pastor, Right? And I said, yeah, I'm a senior pastor. And, and so she goes, well, our senior pastor has a closet that's bigger than this office space. <laughs> you know, this is, pastors are supposed to have, like, you know, where's the cherry oak desk and all that fancy stuff? And I said, well, the real good news is that I shared this with four other people. <laughs> and I'm just so happy to be, because that's the kingdom. I don't want a big office with a bunch of cherry oak, whatever. I, I, I like the modesty of it, so thank God for the staff that we've got. So Janice becomes our, uh, our executive pastor. And right away, I mean, like within weeks, she starts sharing a vision that she had. Uh, she, she, I got this weird picture. And she didn't even know what this was about. She came to Christ uh, in her 20s, and she's not the most biblically literate person on the planet. And so a lot of times God will give her stuff, but she'll say, is there something in the Bible about this? Um, so she starts seeing these visions, and visions is, is one of the gifts that the Spirit can give us. And it was really odd because Janice, well, she's just not the type that you think would get visions. I mean, she's, uh, the closest I, analogy I can think of is, is Dr. Spock on Star Trek. She's logical. She is logical, not that emotive, doesn't get worked up about things. She's just kind of all, just kind of logical. Not the type you think we had this vision. 
And the other thing is, see, I, I, I come from a Pentecostal background, and so I'm a little paranoid of visions, to be honest with you. I, I believe that they're for today. We can have them, but um, I, I have seen so much wackiness with that that I'm kind of like, okay, visions, yeah, but let's not give it too much attention, too much time, you know, and, and so, so now on top of having this marital tension because she's a strategist and I'm an activist, now I got to deal with the, the executive pastors getting visions on top of everything. But see, some of her, some of her stuff really hit. And, and the thing about Janice is that she, she doesn't present it like you sometimes get it presented in, in, in some churches where it's like, thus says the Lord, I see this. She was always embarrassed by it. She goes, I, I, I have to share this, otherwise I'm going to have this internal conflict, but silly and stupid, and I don't know what it means. That's kind of how she always presents it, which to me is a lot more palatable than both of the Lord. And sometimes she would just nail it. We have a running joke around the church that, you know, if you're on staff at Woodlands Church, you do not want to get involved in an affair because God's going to tell Janice. <laughs> That's a good accountability check. God's used her in a number of ways. You know, Two years, a little more than two years before COVID ever happened, Janice gets this sense that we need to get all of our stuff online. Something, the future of the church is going to be a strong online thing. Get all your stuff, start getting ready. Get all your stuff online. So then when COVID hit, I won't say that we didn't skip a beat, but, but we were way ahead of the ball game because we've been doing this. And, and that's just been growing. I mean, this, this hybrid church idea, uh, something that Janice had two years before COVID ever came around. And now we're starting to live into that reality. I mean, for example, uh, uh, we, we now have it so that uh, you can be a covenant partner of Woodland Hills Church wherever you are on the planet. We want to break down the wall between those who are local and those who are non-local. And so we're offering covenant partnerships to those who are non-local. In fact, we have a class on that this Wednesday. And so if you're interested in becoming a covenant partner, whether you're local or non-local, uh, check that out. Uh, the time is in the bulletin, I suppose. Or, yeah, so all the information's in there. But yeah, so, so we've lived into this, this kind of hybrid church uh, idea. Probably the most significant vision that Janice got uh, is, 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 is this. We were, this, I think, around 1998, we were um, uh, looking for a permanent place to, to hang our hat. Uh, we, it really gets old setting up and tearing down every Sunday, and plus you're kind of a nomad congregation, and there's just something about being a part of a neighborhood. So we were looking for a permanent place. Um, and, and we are, we, in this one prayer meeting, we were praying about this, and Janice gets one of her silly pictures. And the silly picture was that she saw these concentric circles, like a, like a target, uh, you know, going out. And then there was an arrow lying on. The, it wasn't going into the target. It was lying on it. And, and she said, we're supposed to pay attention to the arrow, where, where it's pointing. And she drew on this board exactly where this arrow was. There's something about that. Now... <laughs> What do you do with that? Well, that's interesting. Whoa. Arrow on the second ring here, right? Just pay attention to that. And so we talked about it a little bit, and I'm like, okay, this is enough. Let's move on. He went on to spend a whole lot of time trying to figure out what a target means. But uh, two days later, somebody had this big map of St. Paul, and to this day, I don't know who dropped that off. Um, But it was on this table, laid out, and it had a circle around the capital and then concentric circles going out marking like the, the, the distance between things. And Janice sees this and she goes, that's what I saw, these concentric circles. And then she says, you know, so she puts her finger where that arrow was, the tip of the arrow, pay attention to where the arrow was. And she says, the arrow was right here. And so we began to look, well, what's right here? We look it up and it was this building. 
It was this building, yeah. It was, uh, and I, I got kind of goosebumps at that point. Um, but here's the thing. We had looked at this building two years earlier. And at that time, they wanted $7 million for the building, the land, and, and the theater. I had a friend who uh, did fundraising uh, for churches, and, and he came and did a little survey and demographic thing at our church. And he determined that given uh, the, the, our congregation at that time, we could maybe raise three hundred dollars to $400,000. So $7 million was kind of <laughs> out of our league. So we, we, we forget about it. For two years, didn't pay any attention to it, forgot all about this building. But now Janice is putting her finger on this and says, we're supposed to look at that building. And it, it, at least it's worth a shot. So now we come here and contact the owners, which was uh, Kmart, and um, it's down to four million. Okay? So it's dropped three, but it's still way out of our league because we can only do 300 to 400,000. And then this old surly guy named Bob Kutcher, who I love, he comes up with this idea, because he works in construction and knows this kind of thing. He says, well, how about if we ask Kmart to pitch in $2 million? And I said, why would they do that? <laughs> he says, well, do the number crunching. They're still on the hook for a seven-year mortgage. Uh, it, 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 that's going to be $3 million. So we're taking it off their hands. For a mere $2 million, they're going to save a $1 million on this. So we called up Kmart and said, hey, here's the deal. Would you take it? And the guy who was in charge of that area at the time says, no way. And we go, why not? And he goes, it's a cash flow issue. It's just not, it's not in our interest to do that. And he wouldn't budge at all. And, and, and so we, we just started to pray. And this was a season of our, our church where I, I don't think we've ever prayed more intensely than this. I think every message I was saying, let's believe in the power of prayer. Just keep on praying. Because I had in my gut a sense that this was supposed to happen. Uh, and that's not like me. I'm not like Mr. Optimistic. Have faith. It's good. You know, I'm always aware of all the variables and the future's open and all that. But I had this conviction that we're supposed to be part of something that's really, really miraculous. And, and so we just prayed and prayed and prayed. And I don't know how it happened or what happened to this guy. I hope he didn't die. I didn't, we were praying that he gets a stroke. But somehow he, he got removed. He just disappeared. Um, and then uh, the person that was in his place came from the Twin Cities. The guy who replaced him, he's a Christian guy, and he knew of Woodland Hills, and he loved, he loved Woodland Hills. And so we make him this offer, where you guys pitching two million, and he goes, certainly, that's a deal. It saves us a million. Boom. So now, now, uh, now we only have to raise two million. Uh, but we're still dealing with a church that only can raise, uh, supposed to only be able to raise three to $400,000. So we pray, and we pray, and we pray. And at one point, there's a young lady in our church who came to Christ, as I understand it, came to Christ here and had made a big difference in her life. And she saw us doing this fundraising, and, and so she went to her father, who was, he was a fairly wealthy man, didn't go to our church, but what she told her father was, Dad, uh, God wants you to give Greg Boyd a half a million dollars. <laughs> That's what she said. And he goes, okay. <laughs> so there's... there's and somehow, somehow, some way, we were able to raise $1.5 million. Uh, and it wasn't, it, it was all little stuff, little cash. Everyone gave the part. Amen. And this is another thing I want to say that I'm so thankful for, to, just to feel privileged and honored to be part of this congregation, because almost always when we've come to the congregation and says, here's what the need is, uh, will you sacrifice to meet this need? And, and, and more often than not, almost always, we've exceeded that goal. It's just been beautiful. Um, 
We just did it recently. You know, we're raising money to, to upgrade our, our food shelf, to be able to compost and to uh, uh, offer a variety of foods for folks from the, the, the culture they're from. And we wanted to raise $25,000. How high is it now? Do you have any idea? It was like 35, 36 last time I checked, and it might have gone up from there. But that's typical for, for this church. Whenever we put out there, the need for the settled homes or whatever, you've more than, 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 than responded. We have a culture here. Of, of generosity, understanding that love always re- requires sacrifice. And that's rare, you guys. I, I, we can't take that for granted. Thank God for all he's done, including forming us, teaching us how to love together, and forming us how to be a generous people who sacrifice to meet the needs of, of, of others. So, so we raised that money, but we weren't out of the clear, uh, we weren't in the clear just yet. Uh, because we needed four of five council members to vote to rezone uh, this land to make it, to allow it to be a church. We need four out of five. We had four new people that were coming on the Maplewood City Council, and the one guy who was a carryover from the previous term had already told us he's going to vote against it. I think he thought it would hurt his liquor store uh, sales, um, but I convinced him that we're not that kind of church. It probably will increase your liquor sales, I suspect. <laughs> uh, we don't mind a little booze now and then. <laughs> Heck, I, I myself will double your profits. No. But uh, so he, he, we know he's going to vote against this. And, and now this guy loves our church. I mean, I talk to him all the time, and, and uh, he, he's our number one fan. But at the time, he wasn't. So we, have the, we, we go to the, the, the city council meeting, and it was packed. Uh, and I'm telling you, God was in that place. I, 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 from the very beginning, I just felt God there, and I had the sense that this is going to happen. Even though usually the new people on the council follow the lead of whoever's the more experienced uh, but I had a sense it was supposed to happen. And people stood up and gave beautiful testimonies about how Woodland Hills has affected their life and impacted their community. And I gave them my best sales pitch I could, saying we just are here to serve. That's, that's, that's you know, have the needs of the community always in mind and whatnot. And they voted, and by golly, we, we, all four of the new people voted in favor of, of having this be a church. Praise God. Amen. And Bob Cutchell, he, he grabs my head and Kisses me, right? He'll give me a big sloppy kiss on the che- on cheek. And he denies it, but we have it on tape. So, so there you go. But it was just joyous. It, we, we were just overjoyed by it. And, and, and so we were part of something that was so miraculous from the start. And think about this. If Janice doesn't share that silly, silly picture that she got, and if we hadn't taken that seriously, this would not have happened. See, God uses the foolish things and the weak things of this world, hallelujah, to accomplish his purpose. And I'm glad to be a fool for Jesus. Uh, I, I, I'm honored to be part of a community that is growing in this way, that, a community that, that has rallied around the God, the beautiful God who's revealed in Jesus Christ. Uh, I, I, I'm proud to belong to a community that's learning how to love and to collapse all of our judgments. I'm glad to belong to a community that is willing to roar when there's racial injustice that goes on. Uh, I, I'm glad I belong to a community that is just aspiring to live in love as Christ loved us and gave his life for us. I'm so honored to be part of a community that is committed to loving God with all of our heart, mind, body, and soul, and loving our neighbor as ourself, and loving and caring for the earth and the animal kingdom. That is rare, you guys. It's unfortunate, but it is rare. And that makes it so precious. And it means it's why I am honored. I, 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 I thank you for the privilege of allowing me to be the senior pastor of this church over these last 30 years. Uh, and I think it's something, if you see what God's doing and what he continues to do, we all should feel a sense of gratitude to be a part of this. We get to be a part of this. So sense, amen, amen. 
I'll just say a few more words because, you know, since then, I mean, God, God's just been leading and, and, and directing us and forming us in different ways. Different sermon series have been kind of foundational. In 2002, we had a series that was supposed to go for eight weeks. It ended up going eight months. And it was on love and, 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 and judgment. And uh, that's when we really locked in, I think, as a community, that, that love is the beginning, middle, and end of everything that we're about. It's the the sine qua non, that which out with everything else is meaningless. Get this done and everything else you need to get done will be gotten done. But if we don't get love down, then it doesn't matter what else we get done. It's meaningless. Uh, Love is the one thing that gives kingdom value to anything that we do. And then we had a series on the cross and the sword um, where we just kind of drew a line in the sand and said, said, we're not going to allow the gospel to be politicized. We're not going to be we're going to make a big distinction between the kingdom of God that we're called to promote and advance and the politics of this world. Not everybody liked that sermon series, <laughs> apparently. Uh, we ended up losing somewhere around 1,000 people, which at the time was a third of our church or quarter of our church. And, uh, and that was a tough time. That was a tough season because it tended to be the wealthier folks that left. Uh, and, 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 uh, and so we had to do some staff cuts and, 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 and things like that. It was tough. It was tough. But you know what? I, I thank God for that tough time. I thank God for that. Uh, it was one of the best things that could ever happen to us. I, I didn't even realize that I had been tiptoeing a little bit around some distinctive things, distinctive convictions that God had been, been growing in us. But I was kind of soft-pedaling it because I knew that there's certain people who wouldn't like that too much. Didn't realize I was even doing that until we finally draw this line in the sand and they leave. And then there was this freshness. It was like, it allowed us to own, fully own, and passionately embrace all the distinct things that, that God was, had been given to us. I think it was because of that that we could fully embrace this call that we're supposed to love our enemies unconditionally and, and, and to refrain from judgment. It's because of, 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 of this great exodus, this, this departure, that I think we got more passionately invested in racial reconciliation and standing up against racial injustice. I think it's because of this exodus uh, and the freedom that it created us that allowed us to really be people who have a clear vision on what it means to be poured out for the poor and the lost and the oppressed. What it means that salvation encompasses every aspect of a person's life. I thank God for the tough times. I thank God for the good times because in it all, Jesus Christ has been working to form us, to shape us into all that we can be. And I so look forward to, I won't say the next 30 years, I don't know if I have 30 years left in me, but uh, uh, I look forward to the future. God who began a good work in us will see it through to the end. Someone say amen. amen. He's not done with us. He's not done with us. I must share one other thing that I'm thankful with, thankful for, and it's this. I, you know, as, as a kid, I had ADHD. I know it's hard to believe, but I did. <laughs> I outgrew it, obviously. And um, uh, so it got me into a lot of trouble, because back in when I was a kid, they didn't call it ADHD. In the Catholic school I went to, they called it being a demon child. And, and so it got me into a, a lot of trouble. And um, at the age of nine, I discovered drums. And I found that with drums, I, mean, it, it's a, I could be as spastic as I wanted, as hyper as I wanted, and I never got in trouble for it. They had to limit how much time I could play at home because I was driving everyone crazy. But I, I, I just learned that this is the appropriate way to express ADHD spastic stuff. Hallelujah. Um, and parting through the drums, God taught me that even though maybe the adults in my life didn't appreciate 
my hyperactivity. Uh, when I'm doing this on drums, Jesus dances. And, and he, he, he loves this. Amen. He loves this. I thought for a, for, for a moment that I was not going to be able to uh, do this. I, I found that my uh, legs started to go numb because of my back stuff. But praise God, that's been taken care of so I can still do this. And so as long as I can still do this, I'm going to do it. And I give thanks for the whole thing. So it, it, this last song we're going to do, uh, it's all about just thanking God for salvation, for all that he's done for us. I would like, as, like us, if you're able to stand, would you stand and join with us as we do thank you, Jesus. Let's do it. Let's do it. Where is the track? Oh, there you go. What? Amen. Come on, put your hands together. Let's praise the Lord. So 